So we are in the middle of a series called God's Bumper Stickers where we're seeing how we should view our lives and what's important based on how God sees us and what He values in us. Now, bumper stickers are a way that we can talk about things or we share things that we value, right? In fact, one of you told me just a couple weeks ago as I started this series that you were having jury duty and as you walked into the Tucson courthouse to fill out the initial screening application for being a juror, one of the questions was write down what the messages are on all the bumper stickers on your car. So evidently, there's something to this. We kind of project some of the things that we value and it's enough that at least people who are trying to pick juries want to know what you have on the back of your car. Now, some of you may be thinking, well, I don't have anything on the back of my car, so maybe I don't really value anything. Well, maybe we need to help you find something to value this morning. So I'm going to kind of give you some ideas. Maybe one of these will be valuable to you um, as we get started. Maybe, maybe you're the kind of person who just really values your free time. Maybe this bumper sticker would be helpful for you. Yes, this is my truck, and no, I won't help you move. <laughs> Maybe you really value your future. If that's the case, be nice to your kids. They'll choose your nursing home. (laughs) Maybe you value your family a lot, and you're in the market for one of those stick figure representations. Have you you seen these? So here's a few of them that you might pick from. Um, The Leadfoots, that's one. We ate your stick figure family. I like this one in the top right-hand corner of this, this married couple. And evidently they don't have kids, so they have a lot of money. And I don't know why she has a beard. That probably is a whole other story altogether. And some people like to really talk about the things that they accomplish. And have you ever seen any of these marathon bumper stickers on the backs of cars? You know, the 26.2, the 13.1. Well, for those of you who aren't into marathon running, but you want to kind of get in on the game, here's a few other options you might consider. .262, I tried. Uh, my favorite is 14.3, I got lost. Uh... 13.1, my longest Netflix binge. Or maybe 26.2, Oreos I can eat in one sitting. <laughs> now, and some of you are looking at the one on the top. 0.0, I don't run. That's a really good choice too. Now, the Bible is kind of like God's bumper sticker, in a way, if you think about it. Because it tells us the things that He values. Things like truth, and love, and humility, and justice. But it also speaks to how he really values us. Especially building a relationship with us and helping us look more like Christ. Today we're going to see one more way that he does that that with both of these things. Building a relationship and looking more Christ-like through the brokenness that's in our lives. Now, Some of you through this series have joined me in reading this little book that we've had out there in the breezeway called Life of the Beloved. It was written by Henry Nouwen many years ago. It was a real inspiration to me as I was thinking about this series. He says in this that no person faces brokenness in exactly the same way. And you know what? I think that's really true. We really don't. We all have our unique paths that we take in life and it leads to different kinds of brokenness for each one of us. And actually I've also thought about this, that it's where we're the most needy or vulnerable that we tend to most experience our brokenness. Isn't that true? So let me ask you this morning, how are you broken today? Some of us, we're broken by our worst moments. We're broken by our biggest mistakes, our greatest failures. At other times, 
We're broken by things that are totally out of our control, aren't we? These things have the, they, these things that we go through that cause us to be broken, they don't have to define us in this life. But God can use them if we allow him to. And here's what I want us to see this morning. So often, so often, suffering is seen as an unwelcome intrusion into our lives. But learning to sit with our suffering can perfect us, can help us to see and to work through our imperfections and help make us more like Jesus. Listen, I'm not saying we should enjoy suffering. Please hear me. Nor am I saying that God causes all the suffering in our lives nor, or that he even desires it. But what I am saying is this. God values how he can use the bad and even the painful and broken places of our lives sometimes to mold us into what he wants us to become if we let him. Think about that. Can you, find, can you see, as you think back on your life, maybe in the past, can you see some ways that God's used brokenness in your life to make you more resilient, to make you more mature, more Christ-like? So what if, what if, rather than focusing in those moments of brokenness and pain, what, what if rather than blocking out and avoiding suffering at all costs, we learn to take a moment to sit with our suffering, to consider and to even ask God to help us to use it for good in our lives so that it's never wasted. Turn with me, if you would, in your Bibles to Psalm 90 this morning. Psalm 90. Um, if you don't have your paper Bibles with you, you can pull out your digital ones, smartphone or tablet. Go to mygrace.church in your web browser and on the messages tab, the scriptures are there. The song line sermon notes are there as well. Feel free to use that during our service if you would like. Um, as you're turning there, let me share this with you. Psalm 90 is actually the oldest psalm in the Bible. I don't know if you know that. And it was the only one that we know that was written by Moses way back in Old Testament days. And as you look at the first two verses of Psalm 90, what you see here is that God is deeply drawn into our paths of life. He certainly isn't absent in our suffering at any time. Through triumph and tragedy, God is always there. Moses here then explains that life passes us by so quickly that we need to learn in these moments, these brief moments of time we have on this earth, to make the most of everything that we go through in our lives, even the brokenness, even the times of suffering. Look at verse 10. He says, 70 years are given to us. Some even live to 80. But even the best years are filled with pain and trouble. And soon they disappear and we fly away. Now, as I see it, you can see if you would agree with me or not, God uses this brief time that we have here on earth to give us two big opportunities, every single one of us. There's these two opportunities that exist for us. Number one, an opportunity to choose to have a relationship with him. And number two, the opportunity to be made more Christ-like through the unique set of circumstances that we have in this brief time we have here on earth. We can become more mature. We can become more like Jesus through 
the trials and brokenness in our lives, can't we? So how does that happen? How can God use our brokenness? Well, there's a lot of ways that you, will, you can see in Scripture where it says that God uses this brokenness that we deal with in our lives on a regular basis. Let me just share a few of those with you that I found. Uh, number one, uh, brokenness helps us to learn to rely on God, doesn't it? When, when you finally feel like you're just kind of at the end of your rope, you reach out and you can rely on God. And that's one of the things that God can use our brokenness to do. In fact, we see this in 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Where Paul talks about this. He realized this in his own life. When we're broken, we're enduring, when we're enduring hardship beyond our ability to control it, we can learn from it as we choose to rely more on God. Not everyone does. Not everyone grows in this way. And as we learn to rely on God, we also learn to crucify or let go of our own selfish desires. Galatians talks about this, right? I think it's Galatians chapter 2, that through this process, in a way, we stop being in control and we learn to surrender these things to Christ who comes to live inside of us. And that helps us to experience God's grace and His power. Paul describes a time in his life in uh, 2 Corinthians 12 when he was dealing with tremendous suffering and brokenness. And he begged God to make it stop. He's like, God, please just find some way to get rid of this in my life. He wanted to get out of this situation he was in as quickly as possible. But God knew that this was a circumstance that he could use in Paul's life. And so he encouraged Paul to see this too. He said, Paul, my grace and my power is going to be on display in your life if you let it. We also see uh, in the scriptures that brokenness helps us to bear fruit. We see this in the Gospels in John chapter 12. The fruit of the Spirit, which Galatians talks about. And you're like, love and joy and peace and kindness, self-control. All these things can develop more through the brokenness that we endure. As we are broken, we die to self and we can bring these qualities in us to life. The last thing I'd share with you, and this is probably a no-brainer for you, if, of all these, way, a way that God can use this brokenness in our lives, is it helps us to learn how to better comfort others. I mean, think about that. Who do you find in your times of brokenness can best encourage you and minister to you? It's the people who have, been, who have walked the exact same road you have, you're going through, right? The people who get it, who understand. No one can comfort someone in a difficult time better than someone who's been there and understands. 2 Corinthians 1 says, God comforts us in our troubles so that we may be able to do the same for others. So, even though... None of us want suffering in our lives, of course. And we can't do anything about those, you know, about, we can't do anything to avoid brokenness in our lives. We at least know that it's a common part of life, right? And we can see that it can at least be used with God's intervention to help make us better people. So, what if, what if, rather than seeing suffering as an enemy, we tried to befriend it? And to even perhaps be blessed by it. I know that's a crazy concept, isn't it? But think about it. 
What if rather than running from our suffering, every time it comes along, trying to find some way to get around it, to get away from it as quickly as possible, we just took a moment to stop in the midst of it, look inside, and see, is there some way God might want to use this in my life? To befriend it in that way, holding it loosely. Psalm 90, uh, we're going to see here that Moses had a similar approach to this. At several places at the end of Psalm 90, we see these requests that Moses gives to God in his time of brokenness and suffering. And as we look at the end of Psalm 90, I'm just going to zone us in on two big ways that we can do that. Two questions that we can ask ourselves. You know, because if we're honest with ourselves, the questions we usually ask when we're in suffering, when we're broken... Or, number one, why God, right? You tried that one. And number two, how can I get out of this, Lord? How can I get out of this, God, as quickly as possible? Good questions to ask. But what if, what if we perhaps can get from Psalm 90 a couple of other questions that we could ask? A couple of different questions with Moses' help. Let me share those two with you this morning. Look at verse 12 of Psalm 90. He, he writes this. He says, Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Relent, Lord. How long will it be? Have compassion on your servants. Now, verse 12 is actually kind of like the pivotal verse in Psalm chapter 90. It's the point to this whole psalm. Moses is putting brokenness and suffering into perspective here. Now, if you remember back in verse 10, what we were just seeing there was that he was saying, remember he was, Moses was saying that life is brief and that in comparison to eternity, it's so, so short that we need to, need to learn to try to find ways to, to grow from those brief experiences because 70 or 80 years is best is all we have, right? And they're filled with brokenness and pain. So then we can then learn to ask the question, which is the first question I think we can see here today is, God, what can I learn from this? What can I learn from this experience I'm going through? Then, no matter how painful it is, we can at least get something from it. We can use our suffering, if we want, to just withdraw. To get angry at God. But really, what's that going to solve? I think it's just going to cause us to take steps further back, if anything. Now, please hear me. There is nothing wrong with asking for an out with God. There's nothing wrong with wanting out of suffering. I'm certainly not saying we should avoid that. Moses asked that very question right here in verse 13, didn't he? He's like, relent, Lord. Uncle, please, get me, get out, get me out of this mess. We see in Psalm 90, he says at one point, he says, can you at least, God, bring some balance to this stuff, this suffering, where at least I have as many good times as I have bad. Because his perspective is just that everything is bad all the time in this season of his life. But nevertheless, in verse 12, he says, While I'm in this, God, with this short time I have here, teach me. Help me to get a heart of wisdom through all this. To not waste this brokenness and this pain that I'm experiencing. Because life's way too short. You know what? Every single one of us in this room are going to have seasons in our lives when we're broken. 
Not a single one of us is going to get an out on that one. Every one of us are going to go through times in our lives when we're confused. Maybe some of you are in one right now. We can choose to stay stuck in the why and constantly throw that question back at God. Why? 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 As I have many times. We can blame ourselves. We can assume that something is wrong with us in these moments. We can try our very best to manage it, to to make it stop, to find a way out of it as quickly as possible. But if you notice that in those moments when we're trying so hard to do these things that we only just make it worse, maybe that's not true for you. It certainly is for me. I like what Henry Nouwen had to say about this. He said, The first response then to our brokenness is to face it squarely and befriend it. This may seem quite unnatural. Uh, Really, you think so? (laughs) But he says, our first, most spontaneous response to pain and suffering is to avoid it, to keep it at arm's length, to ignore it, to circumvent it, or deny it. And then he says, suffering, whether it's physical, mental, or emotional, it almost always is experienced as an unwelcome intrusion into our lives. Would you agree with that? He says, it's something that we think that shouldn't even be there. It's difficult, if not impossible, to see anything positive in suffering. And we just want to avoid it at all costs. But notice what he says. He says, when this is indeed our spontaneous attitude toward our brokenness, it is no surprise that befriending it seems at first masochistic. Still, my own pain in life has taught me that the first step, don't miss this, the first step to healing is not a step away from the pain. It's a step toward it. The deep truth is that our human suffering need not be an obstacle to the joy and peace that we so desire. But it can instead become a means to it. I know that's a lot to process. But suffering, guys, is an integral part of the human experience. It is. God never enjoys watching us suffer. But he values what it can do for us in the long run. If we let it. If we embrace it loosely. If we let it teach us. Rather than just running from it. Which leads to the other question I think we can ask ourselves. In times of trial and brokenness. How can this suffering and this brokenness bless me and help me grow? Look at verse 14. He says, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love so we may sing for joy to the end of our lives. Give us gladness in proportion to our former misery. Replace the evil years with good. Let us, your servants, see you work again. Let our children see your glory. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. As you... As you read this last part of Psalm 90, what you see is it is just packed with like seven, I think I counted seven or eight places these, where Moses is giving these requests to God. And some of these ways that he's seeing that brokenness can help us grow. Verse 14, for example, it shows us that we can come to experience God's deep and abiding love. He says there, satisfy us each morning with your unfailing love. 
In other words, God, don't let me get stuck this morning. Don't let me get stuck today in my brokenness. You know, there are several places in the Psalms where God tells us that when we're broken, God is near to us to love us, to heal us, and to strengthen us if we're open to that. And in your online sermon notes today, if you, this is there every week. If you go to the bottom of the messages uh, tab there, you'll find there's some questions that you can work through in your own time with God during the week. One of those questions this week is about four, verse 14 and kind of wrestling with some of those ideas about how to do that. Looking back at this in verse 15, we see here that um, God can use suffering and brokenness in our lives to help us develop a heart of gratitude. And then in verses 16 and 17, we see that brokenness opens the door for us to see the power of God at work. For God to show us his approval and to bring lasting change into our lives. As God does these things in our lives through our brokenness and suffering, what seems like a curse in our lives sometimes can actually start to become a little bit more like a blessing if you think about it. Look what Henry Nowen says about that. He says, when we lose a family member or friend through death, when we become jobless, when we fail an examination, when we live through a separation or a divorce, When a war breaks out, an earthquake destroys our home or touches us, the question why spontaneously emerges. Why me? Why now? Why here? He says it's so arduous to live without an answer to this why. But notice, he says the great spiritual call of the beloved children of God is to pull their brokenness away from the shadow of the curse. And to put it under the light of a blessing. Now he says, this isn't as easy as it sounds. Duh, no kidding. You think so? (laughs) But he says, befriending brokenness and putting it under the blessing does not necessarily mean to make our pain less painful. In fact, it often makes us more aware of how deep the wounds are and how hard it is, how unrealistic it is to expect them to vanish. Just as athletes who experience great pain as they run the race can at the same time taste the joy of knowing that they're coming closer to their goal, so also can the beloved experience suffering as a way to the deeper communion for which they yearn. That, he's talking about that, that deeper inner relationship with God that we yearn for. He says, in the mess, in the brokenness, we can find God in that deep communion with God that we look for. When life is good, when everything's going fine, we can miss it. He says, here joy and sorrow are no longer each other's opposites, but have become the two sides of the same desire to grow to the fullness of the beloved. You know what? I don't know what you're going through. Right now, and I certainly don't understand fully why you're going through it. But I do know that God can use even that thing in your life right now. That source of pain, that source of brokenness. If, if, if you allow him to. Suffering will always feel to you and I like an unwelcome intrusion. 
It's just kind of barreling its way into our lives. And we can run from it every single time. We can avoid it. We can stick our heads in the sand. We can just cry, Uncle God, please make it stop. Or we can choose to do something different. We can learn in the midst of the mess to sit in our suffering and ask a couple of simple questions. We see from Scripture, from Hebrews, that Christ understands the pain that we go through. He understands the brokenness and the suffering. And he says that, it says in Scripture that God our Father wants to use that stuff to mold us into the character of Jesus. But in Hebrews it says, now that we know what we have, Jesus, this high priest with ready access to God, let us not let it slip through our fingers. We don't have a priest who is out of touch with our reality, out of touch with what we're going through. He's been through our weakness and testing. He's experienced all of it, all but the sin. And so Hebrews reminds us, let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give us. Take the mercy and accept the help. So instead of asking why or just asking yourself how to get out of the situations when they come. Instead of looking for someone to blame, oftentimes when there's not someone to blame, what if we learn to pause and just ask a couple of different questions? Maybe we add them to the list that we always tend to go back to with God. Those two questions are this. What can I let this teach me? Because life is so short. And number two, how can it bless me and help me to grow? Because we're all running a race. Each one of us. And in that race, every one of us are going to face obstacles. We're going to get tired, as the bumper stickers say. We're going to stop running at times. We're going to get lost. We're going to make a wrong turn every now and then. But listen, don't let, please, don't let the, 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 the obstacles break you. Let that brokenness lead you closer. To God by asking these simple questions. Let's let this race help make us more like Jesus, who led the way and is waiting for us at the finish line. Would you pray with me?